Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Tatum turns, attack the paint, flip to the corner, smart, three in the air, got it! And the Celtics inch closer, up by 14 with five minutes to go. They jump at Tatum, double team, he gets it away to Horford. Horford attacks, lob for Rob Williams, two-hand slam. That was nice. Power the tower, man. For the first time in 12 years, the Boston Celtics have a home game in the NBA Finals, and they will win it going away. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Thursday. Crazy Thursday following up game three. You hear some of the highlights there. Celtics, easy win down the stretch. We'll break it down. The storyline's coming out of it. Sean Grandy, the, the Grandy man, as he's known. Grandy's very, he's very good, yeah. Celtics Radio Network. That's John Von Tobel. He's the company. Jed's helping us out down here at Silver 7's. Happy hour has begun. Three until 5 o'clock. Margaritas, beers, shots. Just 277. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Bigger story for Las Vegas. What's going on in the NBA Finals or LeBron James talking about NBA ownership in the future and mentioning Sin City? Oh, boy. This is big. Just for me, because my plan is to tie myself to the team inherently when it comes here, ultimately work my way up, and then become LeBron James' best friend. So, JVTProBasketball.com? Uh, yeah, something have like you that. set it up yet? How many addresses do you have? Oh, I've got a lot. Do you? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to squat on every single nickname possible as well for the team so I can force them into <laughs> well, like that, a Washington Commanders type situation. That would be dynamite. Where they just have a terrible <laughs> nickname because I have the rights to every name. Um, no, on LeBron James, the shop uninterrupted. Uh, mentioned as part of the big episode, and this was like the clip that got dropped, right, as part of, I think it's a new season that's coming out, um, that he wants to become an owner of an NBA franchise. He wants to buy his own team, but he doesn't want to buy a team that's already been established. He wants to buy what sounds like an expansion franchise and says, quote, I want to own a team in Las Vegas. I actually said Vegas. Yeah, so yeah. that's friggin' cool. It is. So it shows that, look... Vegas is obviously on the map when it comes to sports. We know this already. The NBA has been tied to Las Vegas for a long time. Summer League, WNBA now, all this sort of stuff. Um, it is a suitable market, I think, for basketball. I think it would be a very good basketball market. It's a basketball town. I think we kind of forget that because, you know, the Running Rebels, it's been a little inconsistent in the last few years, but I think there'd be a lot for the NBA out here. And if it's LeBron, right, of all owners, yep. to get LeBron James out here would be awesome. Tim Laiwicki and Mark Bedane, the former – Raiders president. Mm. I mean, I'm sure they're super fired up about this project if they can get it put together down on LV Boulevard and Blue Diamond Windmill. But when you hear LeBron talking about Vegas wanting to own, I mean, that's Chubb Central. Well, that Dude, how fired how fired up do you get? You're like, relax, fella, relax. Well, I know we're excited. I mean, I'd also we're say in public too, right now. Um, LeBron James, because we, th- we focus on him as a basketball player, LeBron James, the businessman, has been very successful. And I would think that uh, the owner, like him as an owner of an NBA team, that would not be a very poorly run franchise. I, I think that would be a successful franchise. He'd be a lot more visible than Michael Jordan. Yeah. He'd be out front. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Uh, it's funny, when I saw the news come down this morning, I was down at Raiders practice, and I was talking to another media member and it immediately hit me first of all how 
successful LeBron has been in terms of making money outside of his career because he's a smart guy and he's got smart people around him. And then I scoff for a second and I'm like, this is why if you're LeBron and he's had a couple of missteps, like you can be altruistic, you can help people, but you know, you really don't need to comment on everything Mm -hmm. because going back to Jordan and the comments that, you know, got people angry about, you know, who buys sneakers and who doesn't, the next phase of LeBron's career, I hope he does a lot of charitable stuff. I hope he he aids a lot of people. But when you're trying to become a global icon, it's not the best thing for your brand to be speaking on every issue. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen it. Like, I think Shaq will comment on you know bigger issues every once in a while. But if LeBron simply models himself after Shaq and the kind of post-career money that Shaq has made... In partnerships and ownership, the general and branding. I mean, it's incredible. Shaq is everywhere and on everything, and he seems to own everything. And Magic's done a great job too. Mm-hmm. Yep, no. really cool story. And as we've said, the the only way to force change, real change in sports, is with money. Is with ownership. You know, you mm-hmm. can't. You can't deal with a league or leagues and then not have a real stake with ownership. When you have a seat at the table, then you're legit. Yep. It's just the way it works. And to be uh, uh, to have a seat at the table and be considered one of the greatest basketball players, not only of your generation, but potentially of all time, I mean, he would carry a lot of clout, I think, in those circles, too, once he finally gets there. Damn. You're not that far away from that site where you live. I'm not going to reveal where you live, no. but it's uh, more down there. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying this is a guarantee I mean, to happen, but my mom. The, fact, the fact that LeBron would want to get involved, and you know what, there's no guarantee that anything could be forged here. I would assume the league would be interested in having LeBron as part of an ownership group. I, I It'd be great I, for the league. I was going to say, I think and I know, I know, I know, us in Vegas will be all over it. I, that's, I mean, to me, that's the best part is having him tie. At least he didn't come out and say, "I want to revitalize the Supersonics." Like, no, he wanted to come out to Las Vegas, it, and I think he sees the potential in the market and. Uh, my mom may or may not have just bought a house in that area, so. Oh, oh yeah. is that right? I'm nud- right. I'm nudger would be like, come on, man. Will. Need that second spot. Yeah, let's go. That's funny. I've, I've been thinking about it more and more. Um, I don't live far away from the strip, but because it's going to become a living hell the next couple of years with the TROP and 15 project, mm-hmm. and to get down to this area, right? UNLV, which I have to be at all the time, Raiders, which for me yeah. is like about a 25, 28 minute drive. Um, I've been thinking about it more and more. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get us like a second, second place where I can stay away just, home. <laughs> yeah, just a, a home base. Like I can afford it, but you know, get a little maybe, s- maybe the smallest apartment I can find. Get a little storage unit and just camp out there. I don't think that's legal. I've seen, well, I've seen, like, I've seen pieces on that. I don't, I don't believe that's legal. You wouldn't live I, there. I don't know that it would be safe either. Just set up a cot. Yeah, you know what I mean. You just stop by for cot a couple a of hours. Fans. Yeah, have some equipment there. You know what I mean. <laughs> Like a little, like a little hole. Why do we all go in on something? Why doesn't all of Cofield and come? Well, Adam Hill doesn't have to because he he's right. actually close to all this stuff. But and so am I. Maybe actually. it's something. By the way, are we doing a show right now? Or are we just negotiating? Okay, I forgot we were on there. Just realized we're that just, we're just brainstorming, folks. Just realized too that this is the beginning of my rise. Just just remember this day. Your when, rise when uh, when LeBron James and I are tight. And okay, well I'm going to keep reminding you about freaking uh, squatting on all these sites. You better get some sites loaded up. And I get the position in the front office of the Las Vegas. Sands. I don't know. I don't know what their nickname would be. I feel like you're ready to move on from Team Dre to Team LeBron a little too easily here. Um, And I don't know if it's because of what is going on in the finals, but last night was weird, man. I I thought the flow of the game was weird. 
Warriors were in real trouble. It was 74-58. Next thing I know, I look up, and they're leading. And then they just get, again, blown out during the stretch. And we see on the court and off the court, your guy, Draymond Green, just kind of melting down. And it was it was one of the things I talked about yesterday. I'm like, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Warriors respond to a very negative, amped-up Boston crowd. And I, I got to tell you, John, I – Listen, these guys have won a lot of championships. They've been in the final six of eight years. There are times with that group where I'm like, I see some quit. Like, the body language just sucks. And the Celtics took advantage of it and just friggin' steamrolled them down the stretch. And to add to that environment, too, an officiating crew led by Scott Foster that's got a tight whistle, right? Like, that changes everything for you as a team who emphasized its physicality in game two. And sure enough, two early fouls on Steph Curry. Draymond Green at one point gets fouled out. Like it was just, it, I, I agree with you. Not only was a weird vibe around the game after the game as well. Like the media availability from all of them, it just felt like this weird vibe was kind of around they, they, the team. They looked. I mean, you want okay, you don't want them uh, to do you know to be dancing. You know, whoop that trick in the Memphis series. Like we all got them on about that. You know, they were they were I think having a little too fun uh, in an absolute ass kicking. But man. Just and they and the funny thing is the uh, ESPN ABC crew producer cameras just like every five seconds on Steph and Clay on the bench mm-hmm. just looking. Just, I, I don't know, like I don't I don't want to kill them for looking depressed because you should be depressed. You're losing, but there's a there is a weird vibe around this team. Now watch, they they could come out tomorrow and just quiet the Boston crowd. You know, make twenty two of fifty threes, just destroy them. John, okay, all right, yeah. you know what? Well, save that. No, yeah. save save it. Save it. John, John's already he, – he just brushed me off. He's shaking his head like the Warriors are done in this freaking thing. Wow. Okay. Stick right. a fork in them. Wow. All right. Uh, let's do a giveaway here. We got a lot of good stuff today. 364-1100, Caller 6 and 7. You know, UFC's got a big card in Singapore. It's UFC 275, and our favorite place for UFC viewing parties is Crazy Horse 3 right there across from the Al. We've got two prize packs to get you in to watch the fights. Great place for fight parties. Free admission. Table for four. Two buckets of beer. Ari's got the hookup right now. UFC 275 is going down this weekend. Caller 6 and 7. 3, 6, 4, 1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. We played in front of rude people before. Dropping F-bombs with children in the crowd. Real classy. Good job, Boston. Obviously, people have feelings, and people's feelings get hurt, even if they're called a bad word. I guess his feelings just got hurt. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Love it. Love it. This edition of the Warriors is showing now more than ever that they are front runners. And when you... Come into the press conference after the game, and you start talking about. And I have no idea if there was a question posed. About there the was. I want okay. to be. And fair. that is always. Yeah. You know what's happening a lot in media now, and I see it especially on Twitter, where you don't get access to the audio. People pull quotes, and they're like, "Why did he say that?" Well, if someone's asked directly about it, but Clay Thompson there talking about the class of the Boston crowd. Like it's- you guys, I don't know, man. I remember uh, Clay, and I think it was Steph at the time, like mocking on LeBron because he was sick 
in a finals. Basically, call him a puss. No, that was that, that that's that second clip from from Clay. Yeah, that was when if in the second finals between those two teams. That's awesome. Draymond Green calls LeBron a B. Yeah. And so LeBron goes to afterwards, and they're like, what happened to the dust-up? And he goes, I didn't like being called a B. So Clay Thompson, the second clip that you right. heard there, was, I don't know if his feelings got hurt. I've been called names. Yeah. It, it's a man's sport. You just you just got to roll with it. There you go. I didn't even know that was the second clip. Yep. I thought it was a Celtic mocking on Clay Thompson. Nope. That was Clay night. Thompson. Yeah, so it's Clay and Clay. Yes. Clay talking about being a tough guy, but then last night whining. Yep. And and this is a, this is one of the angles I talked about yesterday. When they're not in front and that crowd gets nasty, how are they going to respond? And they responded poorly. And the cursing thing, I don't know if you saw the note I sent in uh, on the rundown, but from our buddy uh, Saran Petro in Kansas City, he pointed out, boy, it's real interesting about language and cussing. And then uh, Draymond Green's at his press conference, which, by the way, I still have an issue bringing your child as a shield because I think that's what they're doing. Or maybe he brought him because the child would keep him calm, but it didn't, so he starts cursing at a press conference in front of his kid. Yeah. Wait, I thought cursing with kids around and at you guys was wrong, but Draymond can curse in front of his kid at a press conference. It's just, like, this shouldn't be the story of the finals, but the Warriors' behavior leading to the kind of performance they put out last night in the fourth quarter, it's... It's weird from a, from a group that is so cocky and so experienced. Right, and, and to the point about complaining because I like the where Clay goes. Yeah, nice job. Like, keep it classy, Boston. Because you know what? He's right, Steve. You would never hear from a Golden State Warriors fan after an NBA Finals win. Ari, maybe something like this. Hey, watch your mouth, woman. Hey, LeBron, how's it feel to be a a PAB, a puss AB, right? Oh, yeah, that was a Warriors fan after they eliminated LeBron James. He's walking off of the court. It, I, I'm amazed. And I don't know. I don't want to call them frontrunners or anything like that. But I do think, like, there's being asked about the home environment and responding to it. And then there's kind of what we're talking about here, which is I go back to, like, that weird vibe with this team after that game yesterday. And whether it was the Curry injury that had them down, Draymond's antics, that was kind of maybe a grading on everybody because Draymond, that was – full-on bad Draymond. He's diving on people. He's pulling things up. He's almost like going after what seems like to be Jason Tatum's shoulder on a free throw, yeah, right, trying like to get a, a like rebound. A, like a chokehold and a spin. Right. And Tatum didn't do anything. He probably should have. Uh, he didn't react. But, yeah, the, the, the play on the loose ball where he, he jumps on top of another player, and then he's then he's pissed and barking that a foul got called. Like, right. Are you insane? Oh, and by the way, uh, when we talk about, like, respect and cursing and whatnot. It was already found again, if you remember, about a year or two ago. Headline, Draymond Green, fined $25,000 for cursing at an official. So, like, <laughs> like, this has all happened before, and I never wanted to be in the camp of anti-Golden State. Like, I think they're going to lose this series, but, like, I'm kind of getting more in the camp of just, like, they're kind of annoying. Like, they're, bully. they're, they're, they're bullies yeah. who are getting punched in the face, and it's like they're whining to the teacher. Yep. Hey, their behavior and like really is kind of my behavior, but I don't like it. Yep. Yeah. And and to your to what I was shaking off with you when you talk about this series as a whole, like there's a reason also why I think they looked so dejected on the sidelines. You want to know why? Because every guy that they're facing is six foot six, six foot eight, six foot nine, twenty to fifty pounds heavier. And last night you saw it. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and others were just like, now nah, we're bigger. Let's hunt Steph Curry, let's hunt Jordan Poole, and we will just go at you every single play. I think Jordan Poole is the guy who's having the most trouble because yeah. he's not a big you know, big physical guy. And when you when you watch the games, and it must be amazing to be like courtside and to see Marcus Smart, 
He's a truck. Dude, he's 6'4 and like what, 250, 240? Yep. yep. Compared to 6'3 and how, how much do you think Jordan Poole weighs? 201? <laughs> like maybe? I don't, he, I don't think he weighs 200 pounds. I was going to say, I don't even think he gets to 200. And like those are the matchups, right? And the Celtics are switching everything. They're going small. So then, And then you throw in like what, what Ime Udoka has done in this series, which is if you saw early in the game, he starts his big front quarter, Robert Williams and Al Horford. I think two minutes in, he's like, nah. Calls a timeout, pulls Robert Williams, goes small, and from there on out, like you're talking about, you want to run a screen, you get from 6'4 to 6'6, 6'6 to 6'8, 6'8 to 6'9. Like there's nothing. There's nothing you can do against that team. Yeah. It's incredible. And so, like, that's why, like, I don't mean to poo poo the Warriors, but this talk of like this championship core and the Warriors of old, it's not the same. They're not, and they're at such a disadvantage from a physical standpoint. And game three, you saw that all throughout that entire game, all of it. We've talked about the coaches, and you just mentioned Udoka made the quick change to go small. What do you think about him from a motivational standpoint? He's awesome. So you've gotten, if you've paid attention to Boston at all throughout the season, there's been lots of reports about the differences between him and Stevens, right? And, and it kind of gets boiled down to, like, one thing, and it's that Stevens was kind of too nice. Like, he wouldn't really get in guys' faces. He wouldn't really challenge them. And Udoka's been that guy. At the beginning of the year, one of the big stories for Boston was that Udoka actually went after Tatum and was was pulling him off the floor when he would complain at officials. He would tell him, like, like shut up, dude. Like, you don't need to be doing this. So according to one report, uh, Steve B. Hoop up on Twitter uh, is the Twitter handle. He's covered the Boston Celtics for a minute. Uh, but apparently during one timeout, according to his source, Ime Udoka walked into the huddle and told the Celtics, will you guys stop playing like a-holes? End quote. And, like, it's true. Like, when you watch, I don't know how you feel, but, like, when I watch Boston, I feel like more often than not when they're losing, like that third quarter, for example, too, when they're getting, when it looks like they're about to give up the game there, I feel more often than not they are beating themselves with the way they play as opposed to a team imposing on them. And I think a quote like that speaks to it. Like, stop playing like a-holes, guys. You're better than what you're putting out there, and it seems to work. You made a bet, Celtics in five. Yeah. Um... I think Willie and I both had, well, I know I did, Celtics in six. Because you remember before the finals, I talked to you about Celtics in six specifically was plus 445. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you got a little bit of a plus number before the series. Is this really going to be a five-game series? I you don't believe that, do you? I think it can be, absolutely. Really? Well, just like, again, like it's not to say that the Warriors can't come out, like you said, in game four, just have an incredible like night in terms of shooting and whatnot. But again, I, I just go back to this. I, I've been using this phrase when it comes to this series. The Warriors have shot makers. They don't have shot creators. They have Steph Curry, and that's it. And so when you're looking around and asking, like when this game bogs down and your half-court offense, which has been terrible through three games, right, what, what are you doing in those games when you're not able to force turnovers and get, in tra- get out in transition and run? Because that's what game two was. They turned the ball over 18 times, Boston did. They shot themselves in the foot. You got to get out and run, and you blew them out. But in games one and three, hasn't been the case. You have a neg- you're, you're minus 40 in the fourth quarter of this series. Like, congrats on being plus 43 in the third. You're minus 40 in the fourth for a reason. Because this team starts to lock down, and they slow the game down, and there's a massive difference. So like when you're talking about like the mismatches here, again, like we were talking about, Marcus Smart's not going to show up six foot two and one eighty, right? Jalen Brown's not going to show up six foot one. These these differences that are out there are going to stay there. And the other part is too, Steve Kerr's run out so many different lineups, like he doesn't know what he wants to do with this team so far. So if it goes down in five and the Celtics win, there's going to be a ton of narratives just crushing, it. crushing the Warriors. It'll be more about the Warriors than the Celtics yeah. winning. More about the Warriors losing. So. Three ways to look at it. Could it be 
hey, this is it for Draymond Green. You just can't have a guy like that who's a little bit loose emotionally and also makes you play four-on-five basketball on offense. That's one. My Lord, they freaking underestimated how important Kevin Durant was to the team, mm-hmm. and they should have gone balls to the wall. They probably should have taken KD's side a little more when he and Draymond beefed, so that could be right. number two. And three, you know the one I love, is they've tried to play both, hey, we want to have our core here, but we also want to make sure that we have young guys that we can develop who will be ready, and their young guys aren't ready, and you know who I'm going to bring up? I still believe that LaMelo, he's got his own cereal already, right? Um, LaMelo, the marshmallows. instead of Wiseman, would be brilliant on this team. And if it's not that, then you should have gotten the hell out of the one slot and gotten some real current capital back in players for Wiseman. So I gave you three options. They're all, I mean, I think they're all worthy of discussion. Yeah. I think the Wiseman one's kind of a sleeper. I do too, but I think like along that those lines, like there is a belief, and I'm kind of with it too, that the Warriors next year are actually going to be better than they were this year because like Kaminga and John, and Jonathan Kaminga, one of their young players, and Moses Moody, another one of their young players, like they had a lot actually a lot of good moments throughout the regular season. And yes, they're not well, playing. What, what happens if a head coach won't play young guys? Like what do they have to do next season to but, convince them? Hey, you got to play us in the season. But they have. But they have. Kerr has played them in the regular season. But your point is they're they're not playing in the postseason. But he's played them a little bit in series here and there. Kaminga came along in the Dallas series. You saw Moody out there, too. I just think at this point right now, when you're talking about rookies and really young players, you, know, you don't really want to put them out there in an NBA Finals against a team like Boston, which is a really good team that's going to be able to take advantage of young players like that. So I, I think like kind of your last point, it all ties together. Really, it's just your, your, your main point, which is what, if anything, you're getting out of James Wiseman. Because in a series in which you are severely undersized and lack a lot of strength, James Wiseman could probably help you out quite a bit. And you're getting nothing out of him. Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. That's a trick question. Um, the same? He just says it a little more stern now. It's like if you was getting babysitted by your older brother and now the parents are nowhere at home and you're stuck with your big brother for the weekend. It's kind of like that, but uh, there's no big difference between Josh the coordinator and Josh the head coach. I mean, he demands perfect and he wants perfect, and we're going to go out there and practice to make it perfect. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Big show unfolding here at Silver Sevens. We're going to talk to hometown hero Amy Purdy, Paralympian, multiple-time medalist. That'll be in the 5.30 hour. We've got the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony next week. We'll be out there live from 3 to 6 at the DLC in Henderson. That's really cool. Good group going in, headed up by, like I said, hometown hero and real inspirational lady, in Amy Purdy. That was Brandon Bolden on the way back talking about Josh McDaniels, the head coach, Josh McDaniels, the OC. You heard it there. He's like, Man, you're not going to trick me, right? We have a dangerous thing in sports. Foot and mouth disease. Yes. Right? But I'll say for a couple of of big stories that I don't believe it was foot and mouth. 
I think when people say things, you take them at their word. That's what they believe. Um, if you want to demand an apology, I guess you can. I mean, let's go back to the, the golf thing with the Saudis, right? They started out their uh, tournament today in London. You know, Phil Mickelson said what he said. That's who he is. Well, uh, most of these guys are running for the money. That's who they are. I'll also argue that, not to get on all of golf, but a lot of golf is made up by people who come from rich backgrounds. And money is a big deal. It's a big deal for all of us, but, you know, they come from money. They want more money. And then I'll also tie in Jack Del Rio's comments about the January 6th insurrection being a dust-up and then trying to walk it back. Don't bother. Right. That's what you believe. You said it. Uh, if there are any consequences, like I don't think he's going to get fired. If there are any consequences, it's probably going to be your working relationship and how you're going to have to you know, fix that or work through it with your defense and more specifically some African-American players who may look at you as a guy who has some issues with them, right. has some issues with African-Americans in general. And also, but, but when you hear people say stuff like this, it, it's not an error. It's what they meant to say. And also can't see the difference between behind the impetus of the protests after the death of George Floyd and the dust-up, as he calls it, at the Capitol, which, by the way, actually resulted in multiple deaths. So let's not forget that. Um, no, you're right. It's And that's why it kind of goes along the lines of what I brought up the other day. If you're Dustin Johnson, if you're Kevin Na, if you're any of these guys, just say it. Just come out and be like, yeah, man, like, I'm on $25 million. That's what I want. And, and what, you know what annoys me more? Did you see Phil Mickelson's antics today on the course? So, first off, he, his walk-up song, I guess, is uh, the, the old school, money, 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 money. Yeah, that right. song. I, is that a bad antic? No, but to me, it's it, not. Embrace it. But, but for me, it's in like, I'm not like outraged by it. But for me, it's like, don't be passive-aggressive. Why don't, you, why don't you stone up a little bit here, come out blatantly, and say, yeah, man, I want money. I'm about money. I don't care where it comes from. You can tell me that a 1,000 people have been murdered yesterday, and that's the people that are bankrolling it. Who cares? As long as those numbers are in my bank account, I could give a rip who it affects as long as it doesn't affect me. But don't come out and try to, you know, pee foot around the issue. But then, when you don't have to respond to any questions or anything like that, play the money song, and then come out in your vest, which had the Masters logo on it, but blacked out, you wore on purpose so that you could be interviewed in it, and then change the vest later so oh, that you're wow. not wearing it on the court. Like, that kind of stuff, yeah. that's, that's wimpy stuff to me. Right. And, and he's under sort of a cloak of prote uh, protection. I don't think media people are going to stop asking tough questions, and especially when they... They get when, escorted out? When they come here. But, yeah, someone got escorted out the other day. But when the, the when that tour lands here, I mean, all, all bets are – I actually – one of the angles on, on this that I think is interesting is I don't think enough people have talked about Saudi Arabia, like really deep dive and, it's, you know, put it out to the masses in the United States. This could be a good opportunity while these guys are taking the money for more coverage mm – -hmm and more exploration of what has been done over the years. Cause so the average person in this country knows the backing in terms of the dollars behind this thing. And I've, I've said the last couple of days, um, we should be doing this. We should, we should be looking into accountability and where money comes from on hundreds of fronts in the United States when it comes to sports. Yeah. Right? That's it, it, like, we, we, like just as a small example, we heard whispers here, whispers there. You know, the new Mets owner. Now getting in trouble with the law, right? Like, do you think the average person really looked into that? No. 
I think we have it happen all the time that people are allowed, billionaires are allowed to come into sports over some others, right? And then, you know, there's a little bit of investigating done. We find out, like, whoa, this this guy or lady or family, they are real freaking creeps. And maybe that's one of the purposes that could be served here is more media coverage for the masses so you find out, you know, what the Saudis have been all about. And then I think from there, then we start to examine, like, well, why are we so involved? Not golfers. Don't worry about the golfers. This, right. is, this is a drop in the bucket. Why do so many politicians have their hands out with the Saudis? Why are so many businesses doing work with the Saudis? Our governments, I mean, it's one of our, you know, biggest export-import partners. Mm-hmm. So maybe a, a light's going to be shined on this because of golf. Phil Mixon's doing a good thing. Oh, I think he's, he's doing it all for money. <laughs> he's doing it for America. I think yeah. that's a, I think that's a takeaway. Well, and that's what I like too. Like, I'm not going to be. I'm not outraged. I, I honestly am not. I'm not outraged that they went over there. My annoyance just comes from like the just be upfront about it type. Speak of deal. the truth. You know, they, they don't act like you're ignorant. Right, and that's the other. You know, the media availability. The, I think it was late yesterday, early today. There was a reporter um, that was kind of grilling him a little bit, and, and one of them just straight up asked, like, "So if Vladimir Putin had a golf tournament, he's like, would you play in it?" And, and the guy's like, I'm not answering this. And the reporter wouldn't give up. He's like, no, he's like, it's a moral question. I, I just, I want to know where your moral, like, boundary is. That's a fair question. It, yeah, right. And they, would, they just I, wouldn't I answer. I mentioned it yesterday on the show. I'm like, uh, you know, we're, we're working to get Brittany Griner out of this terrible situation. From here moving forward, like, what, two years from now it's okay to play in Russia? Mm-hmm. Right? We're just going to ignore the invasion of Ukraine. And I feel bad for the women because that's actually where they can make money. But that's also blood money. Mm-hmm. I mean, give me a break. Uh, giveaway time, 364-1100, 364-1100. Awesome concert coming up, one of my favorites. Morrissey is here in early July, Coliseum at Caesars Palace, Ticketmaster.com is where you can grab the tickets. But we've got two pair right now to give away for Viva, Maz, Vegas, Morrissey, 80s legend, the Smiths, and his solo career has been awesome, and he's a really entertaining guy. 364-1100, caller 6 and 7, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. I think we all as Americans have the right to express ourselves, especially if you're being respectful. I see the images on TV, people's livelihoods are being destroyed, businesses are being burned down, no problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol, well, there's nothing burned down, and we're going to make that a major deal. I'm for us having a great opportunity to have a fulfilled life. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope, is live on Cofield and Company. All right, Jack Del Rio wants to discuss it. Let's discuss it. Just asking the question. Ah, I love that one, yeah. That's always that's my uh, favorite. I'm just you, asking. You can discuss it. You can discuss it. That's fine. I mean, these discussions do come with consequences because the discussion you're probably going to have to have is with. The guys, I guess we could call his employees, even though you know, he makes a lot less than some of the stars on the commander's defense. But, yeah, interesting comments from Jack Del Rio, and, yeah, everyone can have an opinion. Xavier Pope is up. He's in Chicago. Xavier, how are you, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, give me your reaction to Jack Del Rio and the dust-up comments. Yeah, I think that Jack Del Rio, what he said was ignorant. It was, is frankly, racist. Um And uh, it just goes to show you that a white coach in a 70% plus black league that wants uh, blackball Colin Kaepernick for standing up for his beliefs can go ahead and say whatever he wants and continue to coach uh, the team. Um, I think it was disgusting. It was ignorant. It was despicable. Um, He went and said, he tweeted something ignorant, 
based on the violence of the George Floyd uh, protest in the summer of 2020, um, which uh, we talked about this in the latest episode of Suit Up News that's coming up new, coming up, and I tweeted at him about a Harvard Radcliffe study um, that showed that 96.3% of protests involved no property damage or police injuries. 97.7% of those events uh, during protests with no injuries reported to participants by standards and police, but he caused a dust-up of trying to dis, uh, interrupt a tr- peaceful transition of power, uh, smearing a feces and attacking law enforcement officers and people uh, hurt in um, over a million dollars worth of damage to the Capitol building. Um, so that's what I think about Jack Del Rio, and he tried to he tried to walk it back in saying he he uh, is supports all peaceful protests. Um, but he, 2016, when he was with the Raiders, he told he wanted his players not to kneel for the during the national anthem ceremonies when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. So hypocritical, ignorant, racist. When it comes to Del Rio, Steve and I were talking about this earlier, Xavier. You know, like we don't think he's going to lose his job, and I actually don't think he should have come out and said anything because, like you said, there's plenty of examples that shows us this is what Del Rio is. But at some point, like the locker room and his colleagues. That like they take care of this on their own, do they not? You mentioned he keeps getting jobs, but I do wonder how this plays in a locker room. That if at some point he's just going to lose the respect of the players under which he is supposed to command, you know? Yeah, people asked me about this on Twitter earlier today, and I said, really, I mean, the the mentality of the National Football League players is that they don't have a lot of solidarity in terms of how they move around because they're so different. The the huge disparity between um, salaries, contracts, some. Guys getting guaranteed contract contracts. Some guys aren't. Um, some guys are just borderline sticking around in the league. And so will uh, the leaders of the Washington Commanders, hog slash football team slash used to be a racial slur, would they actually do something about their coach? Now, if you had leadership of that team and you had a, a guy say, hey, we don't want this guy around, Jack Del Rio wouldn't have a job anymore. Xavier Pope is with us. I want to get back to football in a second, but I got to throw in – some NBA stuff, and especially from last night. I saw you tweet earlier, Draymond Green is washed and has been for some time, one of the uh, greatest <laughs> team defenders of all time and a great competitor, but he's a shell of himself. I mean, he had, what, a quadruple single last night? Mr. Quadruple um, single. I mean, he's, and he's done that numerous times where, where Draymond Green will be on the court. He's not even facing the basketball rim. Uh, he's going pretty much sideline to sideline, dribbling. Uh, and he seems to be more focused on the audience uh, than he is with uh, the basketball rim. And he's lost a step. Uh, he's, he's a liability on offense. It's basically four on five out there. Um, he's running that moving screen uh, for, for Clay and Steph. And that's pretty much what he's good for. I mean, he's not even a sixth man. He's barely a rotational player. It's just because he has a loud mouth and causes attention to himself that people pay attention to Draymond Green at all. All right, so we just talked about Jack Del Rio and that you thought he was being racist with his comments. Draymond Green, after the game last night, talked about the F Draymond chant and turned it into a, a comment about two Americas, and now his son is going to see about two Americas. Wait, there you believe the majority of the crowd in Boston is chanting F Draymond because they're racist? Uh, now, Boston does have a history of some issues it does. in that stadium. It does. In that stadium. But Draymond Green is universally disliked. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people who don't like Draymond of a lot of different backgrounds. And so I don't think that that was necessarily racist. But 
Draymond Green will come out of his mouth and say whatever he wants and get attention for it. He does. He just seems to get attention to himself and he will continue to do so after he's done playing. He's basically this generation is Charles Barkley in terms of saying outlandish things that people say that's just Draymond being Draymond. And you're going to see that as soon as he, he's retired. You're going to see the latest thing that Draymond said when he's on whatever is ATT with, with Shaq or whether he's on ESPN with Jalen Rose. John, did you want to chime in on the Two Americas thing? No, I think he hit on it. Like, I just, I, it's to me, Xavier, it just, it seemed. I don't even know what it seemed. It just felt like he kind of missed the point of the F.U. Draymond chance. Like, this is a guy who has been a heel his entire career. It, it is mm-hmm. something that he has lived on. We watched him walk off the court in Memphis, flipping the crowd off. But then when it's mm-hmm. directed back at him, he's a guy that's like, oh, I don't know, man. This is uh, this is something that's pretty inappropriate. But I'm glad my son is seeing me go through this. Yeah, I, I also, yeah, I, mean, but- I, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to Boston. And I, I don't like Boston. I don't like a lot of the Boston fans. And they do have a, a horrible reputation. But... Again, to go back to uh, Draymond getting upset at the Memphis crowd. So right. is Memphis racist? I mean, it's like, dude, you, you are universally disliked. I mean, I'm not even going to get into, like, Draymond, you're jumping on fellow African-Americans, playing like a freaking lunatic, potentially hurting them. I, like, I just don't – I mean, I, believe me, Xavier, you know all the stuff we talk about, how many times we call out people for, you know, whether it's overt or covert about racism. But yeah. in this case, come on. Come on, Draymond. This Come is- on. It, it isn't fair. It isn't. Like I said, Draymond Green is universally disliked. He's, he's, he's disliked in a town that's Boston that has a lot of white fans that influence sports. He's disliked in Memphis where a lot of black fans are, uh, are, are, are enjoying sports. It's just Draymond Green is a heel. He's embraced it. Remember, those, it was like, what, early in the playoffs. He's dancing on the uh, while they while they said whoop that trick in uh, in Memphis, so I, I think I think he loves being the heel. He loves being the personal controversy. He loves the attention. Let's get back to the NFL because um, I think the NFL is a much bigger problem than maybe they had four or five days ago with Deshaun Watson, and now the Texans rolled in from a legal standpoint. Am I am I wrong on that? Well, like what what came out of that New York Times piece for you about? you know, the 66 different women in 17 months, and then the NDA thing provided by someone with the Texans. What it says is that there are going to be just more people who are going to be suing Sean Watson, and he's not out of the woods in terms of any potential criminal charges he might face. Um, and so I think that a lot of teams wanted this controversy to be over, particularly the Texans with the NDA and him saying that uh, it was an NDA put in his locker. Uh, that says a lot about that particular team. And we've seen some of the uh, unscrupulous things that team has been associated with in the past. Um, and then they passed him off to the Browns, who gave him a bunch of boatload of money, maybe with the anticipation that he wouldn't play next year. And so I don't think that teams really care. I mean, we saw an NFL owner and Robert Kraft being involved in the sauce parlor and things of that nature. So I don't think that the big boys really care about what's happening with Deshaun Watson. This is a, this is an outrageous amount of claims against him. Um, and it just seems that it hasn't really ruined his career. I mean, he's he effectively was suspended last year. I know there was kind of private mutual type of deal. But I'm really intrigued as to how that's handled by the NFLPA and the image it may present to them if they try to defend him if he's actually suspended for next year. Xavier, can you explain real quick? Like, I know what an NDA is, but like, like the Texans aren't printing off a stack of like thirty and being like, "Hey, Deshaun, just grab one on your way out when you go to your massage." <laughs> like, those are legal documents, right? Wouldn't they have to have some sort of knowledge of what's going on to craft those for him to have in these appointments? 
Well, India is an non-disclosure agreement. Uh, it basically um, says that you, any pri private information um, between you and another person shall not be disclosed, and there's some penalties for doing so. Now, NDAs can be um, pretty general, and they we use for a lot of different purposes. So, no, they can't be pulled off a stack, but you can pretty much um, pull some uh, general um, form language and try to find it. But um, the, the the worst part is that you, that is something that a private business player you're getting involved in in his private legal affairs and that goes side that goes outside of the scope of your uh, your standard player agreement into something a little bit deeper that potentially could uh, legally implicate your franchise um for uh maybe tamping down some voices against um against Deshaun watson so that's another uh i'm surprised they would even involve themselves in something like that xavier pope is with us attorney host of suit up news out of chicago joins us every thursday here at Silver Sevens. Let's close strong here. Very important issues we're talking about, but uh, we're TV junkies. We all are. <laughs> so if you got to watch one, what are you more fired up about? Black Adam or Hulu's Mike? I'm taking Black Adam all day. Um, that trailer was amazing. DC got one of their movies right. Um, the Rock he makes everything look good. You know, he just um, the the way it was shot. The the in the potential of him facing off against Superman in the future, um, him being an anti-hero, um, it just looks badass. I mean, I like the way it was shot. Um, Michael on uh, Hulu, I didn't really see anything that showed something different than not what I've already seen. It was kind of like a little flashes of the headlines that we already know about Mike Tyson already. I wasn't necessarily convinced to watch. All right. You know, we talk often, and uh, we get into our personal lives. I've never asked you, can you sing? I got a couple of tunes I can carry, Steve. Really? Yeah, I got really? some bars. Okay. That that said, you don't sound that confident. I'm not sure that you passed down your song oh, ability really? to your to your child. You got to tell people about how long your daughter has been singing and uh, and you know what she's got going on. Yeah, my daughter, my youngest daughter. She's 16. Her name is Emery. Beautiful, talented girl. Um, she's been with the Chicago Children's Choir. Pretty uh, popular and well-known choir here in the city of Chicago. They, she's been traveling all over the country, um, uh, touring with them. And she just finished her ninth year. Her next year will be her last year because she's graduated from high school. And I just put a couple posts on my timeline about her singing and then how well she presents herself. She's just a really great young lady. And a lot of people have responded supporting her. And uh, I'm just so proud of her. And uh, she went to my alma mater, Whitney Young, with also Michelle Obama went. And uh, she'll be graduating next year. And she's just a, a great star. She wants to produce movies in Hollywood and act and, and, and do all these really great things. And so I'm just here to support her. One more personal question. I was just thinking about this. Um, we're all sort of planning some vacations with, uh, you know, football a little bit slower in July. Um, I swear mm -hmm. one of the last vacations you want, went on was when you came out. Uh, from COVID, you went to Miami and then got COVID. So are you are you gun shy? Are you gun shy on vacation? I know you're coming to Vegas for NABJ, but you got anything else planned this summer? Yeah, I definitely have some more travel plans on in, on deck. But I, I I'm not that just I didn't care. Like I wanted to get out. It happened. It is what it is. Yeah. I felt better. Um, I hope everyone that has long COVID, they hope they get over it soon. But I'm not I'm not afraid of traveling at all. Um, at some point, I got to live your life, man. You do. You do. Xavier, great spot, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Love you guys. Say it. Look at you, Xavier. Okay, there you go. I got yelled at last week by uh, Judge Dan. Well, I don't think he really knows me as well as he knows you. I think he it would mean more coming from you. I said it last week, but I guess I didn't say it. 
with the right tone, so Judge Dan got all over me. Plus, oh, okay. plus Dan also knows me as a longtime sourpuss going way back. And I, can't, I, I can't change my reputation. I, I can never remember if I'm allowed to say your name on the air or not. So do you tell your significant other? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I don't know. I just feel like, is it like a gruff? Like, lo- love you. Love you. Good night. Yeah. Love you.